Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Do you struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD, head trauma, or concussion? Do you have foggy brain or lack focus, concentration, motivation, and energy? Sometimes the nervous system gets stuck in an overreactive fight, flight, or freeze mode. With ISIS microcurrent neurofeedback, we can help elevate the chill side of the nervous system and calm down the overreactive side of the nervous system. 85% of our clients report a positive response with improvements within the first three sessions in attention, focus, sleep issues, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, memory disorders, chronic fatigue syndrome, PTSD, post-concussive syndrome, and headaches and migraines. MCN is meant to be a short-term treatment and can be very effective with other traditional treatments. Clients have reported sustained changes in symptoms after 20 to 40 treatments. Individual results may vary. Call us at Beautiful Minds MCN in Central Texas at 254-262-5926 or visit us at beautifulmindsmcn.org. Mention this ad on Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast and receive your first treatment for free. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Hey, I'm Christine. I'm an alcoholic. Welcome again to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Today, we have my sister from another mister. Hey. Um, my sister in sobriety, Jennifer, who was here at the first um, recording of Purpose Driven Sobriety and was um, just so, I'm so grateful that you were here. Thank so you. she's, um, we were finding out that Jen is a little bit of a diva. <laughs> so before she had to record, she had to have a snack and a drink. And I'm high maintenance. I know, I know. Hey, I have to hydrate my brain and <laughs> feed my belly. get it going again. It. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having um, me. Thank you for sponsoring this episode with Beautiful Minds so Micro Neurofeedback, yes. um, which is um, just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, we'll have a little tidbit about that later. But um, Jennifer is here this time. You were here last uh, with the first recording to just kind of be a, a soundboard for my story. And now we're going to hear your story in sobriety. Um, you know what it and again the purpose of this of this um, podcast is to just share with the person who's still suffering the person who is still lost in addiction whatever the addiction may be alcoholism drugs um, oh, name them all of the isms right mm-hmm. um, that uh, we share with the person who's still suffering what it was like what happened and what we're like now um, I think it's just it's so important for people to see that that we are we are living productive, wonderful, beautiful lives without shame, Absolutely. you know, and still living in uh, you know in recovery, and um, and we just tell our stories. We just tell our stories for the next person. Um, so thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's get started. Tell me about you. Well, I'm Jennifer. I'm a grateful alcoholic, and you know I get a lot of crap about that. 
grateful part. You did. You did. <laughs> I hated it when you said that when I first, because Jennifer has, um, what's your date? Uh, September 7th, 07. Okay. So you got a couple of minutes on me. Yeah. Um, like four or five years. Not that long. Do, I can't, I can't, I can write a mortgage line, but I can't add. Yeah. But I, I remember coming into the room, um, for recovery and you, you know, introducing yourself, grateful alcoholic. And I thought, what the do you have to be grateful about you know what is there because I was in such mm -hmm. misery I yep. just could not fathom why you would ever say that and I get it now yeah. so and, the, and that's uh I didn't I wasn't grateful that I that I knew of in the beginning although uh I cried every day uh in in the meetings um, and in fact, one of our members wrote my name on a Kleenex box because I cried it every day. <laughs> <laughs> so you know who you are. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but I, when I when I reflect back on that, um, my my person, my spiritual advisor, who's we share and mm -hmm. we have that in common. Mm -hmm. uh, she said, I just remember you having so much gratitude. Uh, and I think it was I finally um, had Got, had a choice I finally had a choice you know I could drink uh, or kill myself or I could live a sober happy life and so I, what was it like that was not yeah. you you were not I mean I, I know I know a lot about your story this you coming in at that point in time in 07 was not your first interaction with no, with tr with um, recovery or, or any type of a recovery program and right I'm telling you I'm talking to the person right now uh uh I'm talking to the person who has been to a 12-step program and found it wanting and not not being ready for it, not being uh, not having admitted uh, uh, that they're uh, an alcoholic deep down. Um, so I did have a go around with a 12-step program, um, and I was steeped in it because my parents were in the program. So those so roots run deep. 1978 this was oh, when wow. my mother got sober, and so and she's still sober to this day, mm -hmm. and. Um, so I got hauled into 12 step meetings when I was a kid. Uh, and I, you know, so the, the seed was being planted. It only took me 30 years to get sober, but, or about that much time. Um, so I just, uh, I, when I look back at that, I think that was, uh, that was God. Um, I, that's my higher power. God, Jesus, uh, is my, so I want to say that up front because, um, he's the reason I'm sitting here. Mm. Um, so I had, I was introduced to a 12-step program early on, mm -hmm. um, and, um, and uh, yet I still had to explore. Did you know what it was when you were a kid? Did you have, I, I mean, remember my mom being an alcoholic, um, and so it goes back, my, my story goes back to the first time I ever tried something to drink was when my cousin and my sister were sitting at the kitchen table with me, and I was five, wow. and they dared me <laughs> to drink uh, from a beer can. And so I did, uh, you know, that was my first interaction with alcohol. So, you know, wasn't really about the alcohol so mm -hmm. much. It was, it was about, um, fitting in. Right. And they used to call me the Mikey. I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember those commercials, Mikey, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. tried everything. Yep. That was me. Give it that to was Mikey. my name. Give it to Mike. <laughs> give it to Mikey. She'll do it. Um, so, uh, so that was my first recollection. So the, so the, the feeling around alcohol, the ism started mm -hmm. way early. Um, and then I just remember uh, an introduction, uh, that early of an introduction and going, um, you know, my mom 
had her own path. Uh, she had her own uh, issues with prescription drugs um, and alcohol. And uh, she and my dad divorced, and we went to go live with my dad. Um, and so my mom left at about that time when I was almost six years old. Uh, and that impacted me greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, now I understand I get it. Right. I understand why. Sure. Um, and uh, she did what she had to do. And um, so, you know, we went to go live with my dad. And I remember my dad would let me have sips of beer, you know. And um, I remember coming home. I was a latchkey kid. I would come home by myself. And I would, he had a keg in the back refrigerator. And oh, I would, wow. And I would go sneak <laughs> <laughs> sneak cups of, of beer, you know. Um, and I, you know, I guess I was self-medicating um at the time um so how old were you about then I was probably about eight nine wow. years old and um so but I didn't think anything of well, it sure. yeah, he let me drink when I when we watch football games you know so and eat Doritos so you know why not wow just help myself uh, but I also use cookies too. I love cookies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother yeah. recovery program. But I just, I just remember. I'll use anything. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, people, places, mm-hmm. things. I'll, I'll, I'll use anything. Um, but I, but I found that it. Um, but I was very lonely. I was a very like, lonely person. Even and at that age. Yeah. Wow. And the word um, lately has been. In fact, my, my lady person mentioned that word this morning. The word trust. Um, or truth, I'm sorry, truth. Uh, and so that has been a big part of, of my discovery of... Um, You're good. You're okay. That's going to have to be good. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But it's not, baby. That's 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 part of our story. This is... But you know what? And the beautiful part is, aren't you so grateful that even looking back now, the gratitude and the emotion, is to, it, it's like, I don't ever want to lose that. Yeah. Because it's, it's real, and that's that is truth. Well, I never, um, I never trusted anybody in my life. I never trusted that they were going to be there, that they weren't going to leave, that they weren't going to reject me. Um, and I'd like to say that I've fully recovered from that, but I'm still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, to me, has been a big part of my ism is just not trusting um and yet i did not know the truth about that until much later until i had to learn the truth Mm -hmm. your Um, life depended upon yeah Mm -hmm. and so um you know i had this uh back and forth with alcohol where you know my my parents were so steeped in recovery that i had it was an internal struggle for me um, and yet, I, every time I would drink in high school or college, I got drunk. Um, and but I couldn't see it then. Um, you know, I I had control. I, I didn't do it all the time. You know, that's what alcoholics always do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it all the time. But right. every time I did do it, I got drunk. Um, and so, uh, uh, fast forward, um, I got uh, in college. I uh, I did go to treatment. I had um, I was dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts and I was drinking uh, and I went to treatment in Arizona and um, I was grateful that I did. So how old were you then? I was 20 years old. So what precipitate, what, what, what brought that on? I was feeling, I felt like I was having a mental breakdown um, and I was isolated and uh, I was seeing a counselor and I was, 
you know, from early on, I'd always talked or thought about killing myself. Mm. Uh, I always thought I was the problem. And um, so was your mom in the picture at that point in time? Or is it just your sister? So so we went back and lived with my mom for a period of time. And when I was a, uh, um, actually, I moved back in with with her when I was 11 years old. Um, But, you know, my so my first stepdad was a recovering alcoholic, and then he ended up falling off the wagon. Um, looking back at that, we, we had this neighbor down the street and, um, their dad was an alcoholic too. And we would swap houses. Like their dad would come home drunk. So they would come over to our house or, you know, my stepdad would come home drunk. We'd go over to their Mm -hmm. house. So, um, it was, it was more common than I thought it was. Um, so, so basically we, uh, we went, you know, uh, I grew up with my, my, I lived with my mom and my sister at that point. We moved um, to a smaller town. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I just felt like a third wheel, you know, I, all the time. I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And I never felt like I could trust anyone to be truthful about mm-hmm. uh, how they felt about me. You know, um, if they said they liked me, I doubted it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, or you, I, no, I know exactly how you feel. Or, either I doubted it or I wondered what they wanted from me. Yeah. I knew they wanted something, <laughs> right. and it, odds are it wasn't going to be to my benefit. No. Um, so so I did. I, I went off to college, and I felt like I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I, I dropped out of uh, college, and I was seeing a therapist, and he recommended treatment for me. And, um, and so where were you living? Like I was living in, I was, I was going to, uh, uh, North Texas. Oh, okay. So you went to another state. No, no, no. Like Denton. For treatment. Oh, for treatment. Yeah. I went to, I went to Arizona. So, um, and, uh, that had to be scary. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I was I think I was just looking for a way out of my life. Um, the desperation that I felt at that point. Um, so I, I, I went to treatment and I kind of identified with the alcoholism because like I said, I, when I drank, I got drunk. Right. Um, but I just, I wasn't the brown bag under the, under the bridge. bridge. And mm-hmm. so in my, although I did drink Mad Dog 2020, <laughs> so, you, you know, gotta drink that out I of mean, a paper bag. On. But isn't it, yeah. isn't it f- funny, not funny, haha, but isn't it funny how people, People think of alcoholics, and that's exactly what they think. Pe- yeah. Someone that has lost their 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 job, their uh, their car, their house, their in in their homeless and living under a bridge. It's like, oh, honey, yeah. no, 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 uh, no, no. And it, and, uh, and and I didn't really realize, um, you know, looking back. I mean, I think I wrestled with that idea my whole life. You know, what is what does that look like? What does an alcoholic look like? Um, and I can't. I'm not. I, there's. I don't look like that. Uh, so that's what kept me out there, mm-hmm. um, drinking. So I would, I came back and I would go to some AA meetings. I would pick up a desire chip and then I would promptly follow that up with, you know, getting drunk. Um, and then I would go to the next, you know, meeting and I finally, it finally, um, started going to a group and I started, uh, I got a chip and I, I met this lady. She became my first sponsor and I, you know, I really got steeped in, um, in, in what it was and what the disease of alcoholism was. And, um, I stayed sober for four, over four years. Mm. Um, and then I met a person who I later married who wasn't an alcoholic and the lifestyle he lived, uh, his family drank. Um, and I, you know, so there was that first thought of, 
I can't be an alcoholic at this age. Right. You know, I'm only 26 years old. I can't be an alcoholic. Um, and so I just exited uh, from the program. And so um, uh, I, I remember talking to a lady who was my uh, – was uh, I fired my sponsor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Is and so you were you were just convinced at that point in time that that you weren't weren't an alcoholic and that rec- you didn't need recovery. I didn't need that. Yeah. And and you were twenty six at that time. Uh, yeah, I was about uh, twenty six years old and um, about to be twenty seven, and I was getting married that year. Mm. And so it just didn't fit the picture, right? You know, oh, oh, that's I've, dangerous. But here's here's that that thought that. I haven't had a drink in a long time, and my life is good. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But was sure, that the truth? Right, but I'm pretty sure I'm okay now. Mm. And uh, what I didn't know was that it wasn't ever about the alcohol. Mm-hmm. It was always about what was going on the inside of mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And that was the ism part. Um, so... I, so I got married and it was great. Like I was drunk at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the day that I announced to my sponsor, mm-hmm. my sponsor mm-hmm. that, uh, that I was leaving um, the 12 step program, I had already ordered two beers with my Chinese food. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so okay. you know, it's like to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, like I can, I can drink again. Right. You know, I, I don't have a problem with this. So. But I remember her words. She said to me, you know, Jennifer, I don't know if you're an alcoholic or not. But I do know one thing. If you are, you know where to come back. Oh, wow. If you can make it back. Ouch. And I, it, I have chills mm-hmm. thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Prophetic words. And, um, I mean, I... I I had all so those. I have a uh, hang on. I have yeah. a question. So so knowing that you, so your mom was a- active in in recovery mm-hmm. and working a program <laughs> and staying sober. So was she all up in your business? You know, uh, she worked a, a really good other twelve uh, step program uh-huh. for okay families. for families. Oh ooh. yeah, and so um, you know, I I think. I don't know what she thought, but she didn't nag me. She just was black belt. I'm telling you, she, she learned just well. Black well, belt. The, yeah. In 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 other other recovery, you know, families can learn because Rick Rick did that too, and they learned that um, there's not a damn thing they can do to you know to get us to do anything. Well, what sh- what was she gonna say at that point? Them, right. I'd already been in that. You, you know, gotta I'd let already, them be on their path. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd already learned what I needed. To, she she knew what that I knew what it was and you know all of those things that are required to be sober I had done oh that has to be torture and and she was watching me and you know maybe there was even a little doubt like you know I don't know you'd have to ask her maybe maybe it's like okay maybe she can get it together Mm -hmm. if her life has finally gotten together Mm -hmm. and so look the picture was beautiful I mean I had you know I, I had the Ann Taylor suits and I had the Kate Spade purse and his family lived on Beverly Drive, and it, you know, but it was great because I would walk into their house, and my father-in-law would hand me a Cuba Libra in a crystal glass. <laughs> it was awesome, you know, and so I just remember getting schnockered a lot, and um, 
so, you know, and I think that concerned my first husband. And, um, and then definitely in the end, um, our marriage lasted about eight years. And in the end, um, you know, I was hiding how much I drank oh, wow. from him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it ended in divorce. I, I always say, I, I joke that um, I have, uh, I've been married three times. And so I have almost, uh, uh, I have a good start to a calendar <laughs> <laughs> of ex-husbands. So um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I uh, fast forward to the really, you know, hard years was after the divorce mm-hmm. and I moved uh, here to Central Texas to be closer to my family the irony being that I really wasn't available to my family because um, I was busy going to the bar every night wow. I was drinking on my own um, so all the things all the things you know and so uh, the other person I want to speak to is uh, the teacher mm. because I didn't I thought in my mind, I can't possibly be an alcoholic because I'm a teacher. <laughs> I mean, teachers like teachers don't do that. Teachers don't do what uh-uh. I do. You they know, have too they much don't responsibility do that. and mm-hmm. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that part that says the alcoholic leads a double life. Oh, that was so me. That was so me. I was. I tried my hardest to. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've been to. You know, I've, I work with children. Um, I teach them how to read, mm-hmm. um, and I was working with kids, and I love kids. I love working with them and, and seeing them grow in their skills and reading and offering them a different, you know, trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but then right after, I would immediately go to the bar. I was the one, I was the one that arranged happy hour. Right. That was me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after happy hour with the teachers – I would go to the real people right. who drink. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did night after night after night. Um, and so my, <laughs> I, I didn't answer the phone anymore. I didn't really want to be around people anymore. Um, I had, you know, I was shutting people out more and more and more. I didn't return phone calls. Uh, a friend of mine down the street had just had a baby. And she said, I'd love for you to come see this baby. And I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, she gets home by 530. I'm, I'm already yeah, that's gone not by work then. For me. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I can't, I can't even promise. That was my first thought. When am I going to go over there where I'm sober? Mm. Like, I can't, I can't show up drunk, you know? Right. And there was no guarantee that I could, could maintain that, you know? So, so towards the end. It wasn't the planning and strategizing in the, yeah, like mm-hmm. how much I had to drink, how much, you know, how much I had. I mean, I was buying 18 pack of bottles of beer bottles uh, every other day. Mm. And, um, and I was drinking um, uh, the hard stuff at the bars. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, so my, my mom's big into recycling. And, oh um, gosh! Go, mom. <laughs> so, um, so, so she so is right down the street. Drunk? Yeah. Oh yeah. So we. So we. Oh, but you know that's I the that was the, the rationalizing. Yep. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like well, Rational if I do this, lies. if I if I do this and it looks good, then nobody. I mean, it. Why, why would I give up drinking mm-hmm. if everything else is okay? Never mind that I'm driving drunk. Mm-hmm. That I'm driving in a blackout. Mm. 
um, I'm driving to the liquor store when I'm drunk to get mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. Um, all of those things. But <laughs> so my mom and, you know, she ingrained in me the importance of recycling. And so down the street, it's not that far from us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so down the street, I would go with my beer bottles in the back of in the trunk of my car. And the same lady was there with pink hair. Oof. And I just remember telling her, um, you know, each time I had this wild party. Oh, you know? <laughs> She's like, you're the party and dance. And she is like the party yeah. person I ever did see. And then I and then I and then I was like, I can't go back. I can't recycle anymore because she's gonna catch on. <laughs> so, and you didn't know her from Adam, but her. you were worried about what I, she was I gonna just, think about you. Did she just give me that look? You know, mm-hmm. that you know, in the in my head. Oh sure. Oh, you gosh. know, that little worm of a thought. Like, yep. do they know? Mm-hmm. Do they know? And so at one point, I remember um, going up to, and I, so I met my second husband on a bar stool. Mm. Um, sweet guy, you know, but he took me out, you know, like mm. he would take me to the bar and we would go out and drink together. It was great. He was my drinking buddy. And um, I, I do remember, um, you know, uh, thinking that. Um, he drinks more than I do. So I'm not as bad as that. So it wasn't even a, oh, shit, he drinks more than I do. It, it was, yeah, it was and another so rational I could, lies. And I could, I could hide behind that. Only, you know, I was hiding from him how much I drank, too. Oh, wow. Because I didn't want to feel the heat from him. Mm-hmm. So I remember one time we went up to see my dad. Uh um in, in, near Dallas is where he lives and um he uh my dad was really concerned I guess we drank a lot that trip and um I got home and a few days later I got a letter from my dad and he wrote me saying how concerned he was about my drinking oh wow and my smoking now he's not one of us right no okay got no. it he's one of those weird normal people yes mm-hmm. and I, i've seen him tipsy three <laughs> times in my life that's, just that's weird. it you know <laughs> okay one was like his i don't know 80th birthday party oh um, wow but uh anyway so uh, i got this letter and it it just socked me and i um i called my mom and i said you wouldn't believe this letter dad wrote me and I was so defensive. And she said, well, honey, maybe there's some truth in there. Ooh. And I said, you know what? You're right. I'm going to quit smoking. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And so I called him and I said, you know what, Dad? You're right. I'm going to quit smoking. Will you buy me, you know, the med- medication they get? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I will do that. And um this is totally not what my letter was about, but okay. You didn't even lead with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I ripped up the letter. I wished I had saved it. Mm. I ripped it up. That's how I felt about it. And I thought, uh, you know, it's not I'm it's not safe anymore here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the walls are closing He's seen in. Me. The mm-hmm. walls are closing in. And um I was I lived in fear of my family having an intervention on me. Oh That's wow. Because I already knew. Because, I already well, knew because, how this yeah, game they, worked. They had history yeah. with this yeah. whole thing. So I knew how this game worked. Um so So did you stay away from them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I saw my my family less and less and, and so my second husband and I just we were 
you know, off in to the it. races. Mm-hmm. So, um, so fast forward um, a little bit and, um, you know, because uh, we, we don't like to waste time. I met him in August. He moved in in October. And so, oh, yeah, okay. So that was a whirlwind love. Yeah. And then we, we uh, got married that following summer. And, um, and then, you know, we proceeded to drink. And um, I just remember seeing a picture of myself in my classroom with my students and how bloated I looked, mm. how awful I looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes me sad. It starts and to show on us physically. It does. And mm-hmm. I was, um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a daily thing at that point. And so all the little mile markers, you know, like I'll never – Mm. that was one of them I'll never be a daily drinker mm-hmm. and I had or I'll never drink in the morning well honey mm-hmm. <laughs> 2 a.m is in the morning right Technic- <laughs> you know technically you know and yeah. so like um so these little little mile markers I'd set for myself that um you know that's what an alcoholic is again focusing on the alcohol and not on the obsession but you did yeah but you didn't know. No, it was the unmanageability part that I could not relate to. That was what kept me out of 12-step program was, well, I still had my job. Right. I still had I still had my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I still had my health. You know, although everything was about to come to a big head. Um, and so, uh, you know, that took some time. Um, and I already knew I was starting to understand that I was powerless because every thought I had had to do with alcohol. Wow. And so um, we were at the bar one night. Um, everything kind of came to a head September 6th of 2007. And um, we came in separate cars. We drank a, a lot with friends that night. And uh, none of them, I, you know see anymore mm-hmm. uh uh but anyway we he took so, so you're what you're what i hear you saying is you said friends loosely with yes. the air quotes yeah yeah yep. mm-hmm. i don't remember their names mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so we just drank together yeah uh and so we uh he took off ahead of me and he was kind of racing down lake shore and uh i followed him um and i was three sheets to the wind mm-hmm. and i was just trying to make it home Without hitting anybody. That was mm. one of my worst fears. Wow. Is oh, hitting yeah. somebody. Hitting a kid backing out of a driveway mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I saw him take off and I thought, oh, please slow down, you know. And so I tried calling him. He didn't answer. So I, I drive a little further up and I see he's been pulled over by the police. Oh. And uh, I, uh, we live right down the road. And so I went ahead. I didn't stop. Because I was too scared. Yeah, to. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So I ran home and I just panicked. And he called me and he said, I've been pulled over and you're going to have to come get me. Oh, shit. And I'm like, okay. And so I um, I got in the shower. I washed up. I, lo- I tried, tried to, I tried so- to yeah. look like tried to look I had sober. just gotten out of bed. That's what I tried to, that's what I've. I've got to look like I'm trying to get out of bed, brush my teeth. I mean, I was, I don't mm-hmm. even know what I smell like. Uh, and, and the police officer called me from his phone and said, if you don't come get him, we're going to take him in for DWI. Oh, wow. The so, fact that they even gave him an yes, option. Yeah. And so I went up there and I did, I tried to stay as far away from them as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll never forget the look 
on the police officer's face and when I when I showed up mm-hmm. and he and I there was that look like you know that they know but right. they don't know mm-hmm. but they sense it anyway mm-hmm. and I thought I gotta get out of here and I'm like get in the car so I took him home they didn't say anything to me but here's what here's what came to me Christine um, it was actually a Bible verse and it was the writing on the wall uh, from the book of Daniel mm-hmm. and that flashed before me and I heard somebody say that is you that mm. is you you are going to be next because I there was no stopping no stopping me um, no matter how good of a person I tried to be right no matter how many morals I had no you know like I'm a good person who has a big heart for mm-hmm. kids you know mm-hmm. uh, but that wasn't going to keep me drink from drinking mm-hmm. you know so uh, I got him home and I just remember falling apart um, and that night's sleep was pretty rough and oh, I, w- I woke up the next day and he was pouring out all the alcohol we've been given a gift and we're not going to do this anymore and blah 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 and I immediately um, called my I called for my mother and she didn't she wasn't there she was at a meeting and my stepdad answered and I just remember Christine saying to him I am a drunk oh wow it wasn't even I didn't want to even use the word alcoholic you know, I am a drunk. Like it was the first time I ever said that. You know, and I, I don't even know where that came from. But it wasn't. It didn't come from me. And in that in that moment, I felt like God was giving me a choice mm. where I didn't have one before. That I could e- either go down, you know, I can kill myself get it over with I could keep drinking and wind up dead or in in jail and if I had gotten it if I had been taken to jail I I don't know what I would have done to myself um or I could I could accept help and everything I thought I knew about a 12-step program I had to trash it I had to get rid of it I had to let let it go everything that I thought I knew I had to just put it behind me Mm. and I had to start new and I just remember feeling so humiliated you know like I was a failure that you know that I can't even you know can't get it right Mm. and um Every, every other respect of my life, I mean, I have my master's degree, mm-hmm. you know, every other respect of my life, um, I've been able to persevere and pull myself up. And this was the one area I couldn't. Um, and I heard a lot of people just by shutting them out of my life. Or even making them worry about me, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, my mom <laughs> took me to back to my first meeting. Wow, <laughs> oof! And um, it was a couple of weeks before I found my person, my lady. Mm-hmm. 
and um, <laughs> she did not talk to me in the same language that I'd been used to. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, she didn't come at me with a bunch of terms that we're used to, mm-hmm. right, in the mm-hmm. program. Uh, I had to hear it differently. You know, I heard a lot of love in her voice. And I heard a lot about, um, you know, her higher power, mm-hmm. whom she calls Jesus. And um, I thought she was a Jesus freak. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, um, so I, uh, I just, I cried every day, every day. Um, and I just remember being really grateful that I had a chance. I had a chance because I just felt like the other option was death. Either way I looked at it. Mm. And so, so I met with her. We started doing, you know, the work. Mm-hmm. And she, I know you shared this with your story before, she also um, brought me back to that one moment. Mm-hmm. You know, what was, because I felt like a hole in the donut, you know, like mm-hmm. it talks about. I Define, felt, tell, t- for people that, d- again, you know, the uh, w- our goal is to reach that person that's still suffering. What does that mean? That's that's kind of a, a saying sometimes we let roll off of our tongue. I feel like the hole in the donut. What does that mean to you? What is that? What well, is that? Um, I felt like, I felt empty on the inside. Uh that I didn't have any answers or any solution. And I was going to have to have a higher power that did have my answer. Because before the higher power was alcohol. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It was a power greater than yourself. It totally right? was. Mm-hmm. It was my every waking thought. The mo- That's what someone said. Whatever you think about the most is your higher power. Mm-hmm. And that was alcohol for me. Wow. I love how. Okay, say that again. Whatever you think about the most is your higher power. Mm. So, mm. Uh, mm. yeah, and so um, I'm grateful for those those little sayings that people gave me, you know, because I could re- I could start to relate. I could finally that made sense. It makes I could sense. finally yeah. relate. I could finally relate, and I, I needed something greater than me that loved me, mm-hmm. and I did not trust any of that. I didn't trust it, uh, and so. What I found, this was the most beautiful part of this whole story. But did you find that you trusted her? I did. She was, she's gorgeous. Oh my gosh. She's an angel. She is. And she's She can never hear this because we'll never, yeah, we'll never get her head through the door again if we let her hear this, right? (laughs) She's she's the most humble person. She's like, oh, stop. Y'all stop it. I can hear too. (laughs) Um, So, um, but she was classy and beautiful and kind kind and just honestly the first time we met we talked about her relationship with her kids and what it was like for me you know and my relationship with my mom oh wow so that was so she mm -hmm. wanted to know my opinion (laughs) so right like hey you know this lady's smart she wants to know my opinion (laughs) um no but uh but she got me talking. Right. That's that, Without that shame. Was, that was beautiful that mm-hmm. she got me talking instead of telling me. Right. And that's been, she's just magical like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, we met at her house and I, and I, it was, it was, 
sometime in September, um, I was newly sober and, and I was like you, I got, I, I mean, like every day was, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I had two clients. I was doing, um, uh, some reading therapy and, um, and I had two clients. I'd quit my job to, and took on two clients and that was all I had. So I would nap a lot. I would read a lot, uh, literature and I would go to any meeting. I mean, just. So, all the meetings. So let me ask you, because you're, you're still married to the husband, the drinking buddy. Was was he, because mm-hmm. I'm curious, was he qu- quitting at he the same time? He was for a while. He okay. quit, it, but he did not join me. Okay. In this so th- you were, in this marriage, you were kind of off on this yeah. on this journey I, on your own. Yeah. And I just, and I thought. What was that like? It was. Were you, were you did you, so I guess my difficult. question is. Yeah. Okay. Because he wanted me. To drink with him again eventually and mm. he would we would oh there was goodness. there was whiskey in the in the freezer and he would get it out and he would shove it in my face and I I can be a little rebellious and I just remember thinking you know you know f you mm-hmm. <laughs> oh I can't I can't I can't imagine what that's what that was like to, and, and you not partaking in that I mean that was but I just the, but I think at the time but Christine I felt like that was the path of death for me and I got it like I got it but but not before I had my spiritual experience right like I had to have my spiritual experience before I could get to that point have that strength because I because every day for two weeks you know I was hanging on why I would like it was yeah and it was just you know the specific time of the day I was like I'm gonna get in my car and I'm gonna go to the liquor store and I'm gonna you're afraid of yourself oh I didn't trust myself I wouldn't go to the grocery store I didn't trust myself I yeah I couldn't go down that aisle I wouldn't drive the same way home no and and it was Mm -mm. it's not that far from Mm -mm. from us so we live in a kind of the same area so um tell me about that day so the day that I had my spiritual Mm -hmm. experience I want to hear it all I love it I love it uh so I went over to her house Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking okay I've got my little my books and my Mm -hmm. little I know what I know what we're gonna do (laughs) how that works (laughs) not very well so um and I remember telling her aren't you supposed to tell me to read such and such aren't you supposed to tell me and she's like look if you want someone like that, then maybe I don't, I'm not your person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And I took a pause and I thought, you know what? I don't want you to tell me any of that. Right. I just, I really just need help. I just need to know how not to drink. Right. And she would say, get your vacuum out, vacuum cleaner out, mm-hmm. you know, and vacuum. She made me do dishes. You know, mm-hmm. and so, um, so um, it was, it was just very practical. Mm-hmm. at the beginning and so um because I didn't really know how to do the spiritual part um so she invited me to her house we started talking and we were going over and I got step one I mm. get I get it mm-hmm. I get it now mm-hmm. it was the lie it was the lie that's what was keeping me from getting sober the lie that I wasn't an alcoholic that I wasn't a drunk that I could control it that I could uh, you know, I could quit anytime. So I remember hearing um, the speaker talk one time about his alcoholism. Uh, it's an older speaker. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, my problem was not 
putting the plug in the jug. My problem was taking the plug out of the jug. Mm. And when I heard that, it clicked in me, Christine, because I was like, I could put the plug in the jug when my first husband was ticked off at me Mm -hmm. about, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I was, you know, uh, about to get uh, pulled over by a cop or, you know, um, getting caught at my desk sleeping by my students, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't have a problem with that. My problem was taking the plug out of the jug because that was always what I was going to do. And then towards the end of it, the wheels were off and I couldn't do any of that anymore. I just was drinking all the time and I couldn't stop. So for a long time, that was my alcoholism before it got really bad for me. And so, um, so I, I got step one, I conceded, I fully conceded. And then, um, um, so we, we talked about the higher power thing and I had so many reservations and of course I didn't trust anything mm-hmm. or anybody except her mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. that she was the, she I really, I really felt like she was there just for the purpose of connecting me with my higher power so that I could be sober. Mm. That was the only purpose. And I could trust that. Um, And then when she started asking me about God and what I believe about him, and she asked me what my first memory of him was, or what was my first memory of um, the most tragic event Mm. in my life. And it took me back to that point when my mom left. Mm. And I cried, and I did. I was really reluctant to do whatever was next because I had been to all these therapists and told them the same story. I had told my story to people and on the bar stool. Right? <laughs> and nothing okay, ever changed. Everybody knew my story. Mm-hmm. You know, so talk, 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 talk. <clears throat> so she asked me, "Well, where do you think God was?" And I said, "I don't know." And she said, "Why don't you ask him?" And I thought she had lost her mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you are a crazy lady. Yep. And I did. And I did it out loud. And immediately, immediately he responded to me. I never left you. I was always there. Mm. <laughs> and it was like, it just all made sense at that point. You know, it just like all came together for me. And I remember she said, why don't you go sit on my back porch? And I did. And I sat in the sun. It was a beautiful sunny day. And I sat in the sun and I just felt his presence. And you believed it. I believed it for the first time in my life. I believed it. And I left there. And we, I crossed over the bridge to go back home. And I left there with a feeling of peace and joy that I had never in my life experienced, ever. Mm. And I never wanted to drink again. It was removed from me. <laughs> and later when I went back, And I thought about what happened. And she said, write it down. Mm. Write what he said. Write it down. And 
went back and I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, the whole time I felt like my biggest problem was my relationship with my mom and she left me. And Christine, I grew up that moment because I realized it was never between me and my mom. It was between me and God. And so, so I have taken that same tack with my sobriety since then. That it's about growing up and realizing that my parents aren't my higher power. My husband's not my higher power. My child is not my higher power. And alcohol is not alcohol is not my higher power, and it wasn't anymore. It wasn't, and um, I'm responsible for my relationship with my higher power. Nobody else, and I'm also responsible for my alcoholism. Nobody else, mm. and so I try. I try to live by that daily, you know, but I know how I got sober. He removed it from me. And I, I'm, I'm so forever grateful for that moment. Now, <laughs> that was the beginning. Oh, I was going to say, that. yeah, there, there's not a period here. There's not a, we, we don't have a period here. That was the beginning. <laughs> but, but, but didn't you find, though, that it's like all of a sudden the and I can only speak for myself but it I know that it was that way for you too that that all of a sudden what seemed like a, a an uphill up mountain challenge of trying to not drink all of a sudden I had a renewed strength that I could take on the fucking world mm-hmm. Yeah. I bring it. What can I do? What do I do next? Because all of a sudden I, I had a, I had a power <laughs> in me. I had a power in me. Yes. That donut was solid. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was complete. Yeah. Well, and, um, and I remember going and so, you know, I just kind of like, I, you know, I just went full force with, with this program stuff again. So and did I you would, go home and share this with your husband that day? No. I did okay. Not. And, and, you know, he was still, he was out there, mm. you know, doing the deal. And, but I really, Christina, honestly, really tried to just look at myself and disregard what he was doing. I set him up a, a room in our house to be the man cave just so he could go do whatever he needed to do. Right. And I'll, I just focused on my sobriety. Mm. And my relationship with God, and I would go out and I would um, I would go to meetings, but I would also go out and uh, take meetings to different you know uh, Freeman Center, mm-hmm. um, and when it was in the old house, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I remember trying to you know drag these people into sobriety and you know like <laughs> come here let's like do you this you had the power yeah and um <laughs> and, yeah and so I remember working with this one girl. And it was, I was almost a year sober. I remember that. And I was feeling a little squirrely and I was working with her and I was like, we were doing our first, second and third step and, uh, and nothing happened. <laughs> so I called, She's I, called broken. I called my lady and I was like, 
she didn't she didn't have the same experience I had. And she said, Jennifer, this may come as a surprise to you, but you may not be there when she has a spiritual experience. Oh, man. <laughs> well, what did I sign up for? Right. I know. I was looking for that high. Yep. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I, and I, it never occurred to me that, of course, she's going to have a spiritual experience. And I'm going to give it and to I'm, her. Yeah, I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show her how this is done. <laughs> you know, and so uh, it was really. That was humbling. It was totally oh. humbling. And I I didn't realize what a big ego I have. I still, it's like the, fa- I've heard somebody say it's the fastest repairing thing organism in our mm-hmm. you know body mm-hmm. uh, that we can, you know, it just instantly, uh, you, it gets knocked down but can repair itself. Um and so um, I, I've learned a lot uh, about that. Um, but, you know, um, I'm 15 years sober. And I, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to think that I've got it. Um, I had a hard day yesterday. You know, I, I got some, some news that I didn't like, you know, um, it didn't sit well with me and, um, it was out of my control. The old me would have drank over that. I would have gone straight to the bar, you know, and I want, I want to say this, I was in a place that they were serving alcohol and that crossed my mind like, oh yeah, the bar's over there, Mm -hmm. but I never meditate on that, you know? I, I ask God, remove it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He showed, <laughs> it's so funny how this always happens, but we have a friend in the program and, and I know her sister and her sister has come to some of the meetings mm-hmm. and she was there last night. And I said, you are the next best thing. Come over here. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, your sister is one of my good friends in the program. Um, and I had a hard day today and I just, I'm so glad to see you here. Because that reminds me, I'm okay. Right. I'm okay. This is all okay. It's not the worst, you know. And I think, you know, a lot of why I drank in the beginning was because of the anxiety I did have, you mm-hmm. know, feeling like I was a fish out of water all the time and worried, constantly worried about what people thought of me and how I looked, you know. And I'll, I'll never forget when uh, my lady friend said to me, you know, Jennifer, if I have to act good, I'm just going to drink. And that made so much sense to Mm -hmm. me. Like I can't, uh, I mean, I, I have to live my life on spiritual principles. We stop acting. Stop acting. Stop acting. We stop pretending, you know, or manipulating Mm -hmm. or trying to get you to think X, Y, and Z about me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that was, you know, there was such a front I had to put up in order to, uh, keep my alcoholism alive and well you know I mean I had to keep that prop I have to keep everything propped up to get you to believe you know that I'm okay that you know that I've got it together you know and um it was all about me it was Mm -hmm. all about me so today I try to live a life um where I'm glorifying God 
You know? Well, you've been through some life traumas in in this um, in the time in the eleven years I've known you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you didn't have <laughs> children at the time that you got sober, yeah. which again is a blessing to your daughter. Now she's never seen me take a she, sip of alcohol, mm. and she's twelve. And um, you know, oh God, that was another conversation I remember having early on. I you know I thought I was barren. I could never have kids. Uh, anyway, so I was back up a little bit the second husband was still drinking Mm -hmm. I finally um got up the courage to say we can't keep doing this and you need to go um you need to get sober you need help and so he moved out temporarily and you know joined a 12-step program and went to a counselor um, who helped him and I thought we were gonna be you know Mr. and Mrs. 12 step. Mm-hmm. And that was not the plan. But what was the plan was that while, during that time, I, um, I got pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I was 40 years old having my first baby. Uh, sober. Yeah, sober mm. and, and loving every minute of it. And before that, um, I remember crying about not ever getting pregnant, not ever having a kid. Da, 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 da. And um, I remember... Millie looked at me and she said, so is this the hill you're going to die on? Mm. Is this the thing that you're going to say, oh, I can drink now mm-hmm. because I can't get pregnant? <gasps> that was rude. Right? Yeah. And I looked at her. I just, I don't even know what my face looked like, but it shocked me into reality. And I had to say, no, I'm mm. not going to let it do that. Mm-mm. I had to say that out loud because you know what? She's like me, and she knew I was already thinking it, mm-hmm. you know? and so You probably didn't even realize you no, were already thinking it no, until she, but she said she it. Called like, it mm. Yeah, she's like, ooh, mm-hmm. that's back there, and she knows me. And so um, so I did. I uh, We came back together for a time. I got pregnant with my daughter. She was born in 2011, and um, he, he went back to drinking. And... Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't, even our daughter couldn't keep him sober, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, we, it, it was rough. It was rocky. Uh, we ended up getting a divorce. Um, and I had, you know, I kept thinking how, you know, all of the pain of that mm-hmm. and the fear, you know. Um, you know, I understand what that's like, you know, fighting for your kid um, who's watching their dad slowly kill himself and he did he died last year um in march at the beginning of march so it's been about a, it's been a year um i think his body was just give out and i remember one of the times i was sitting there and in the meeting you were next to me and i just lost mm-hmm. it and you came over and helped me mm-hmm just the sadness of our lives, you know, of um, staring at myself in the mirror. Well, and staring at him dying, which it could have been you. And, you know, what, what, I, what I saw in you during that time was um, a compassion for some. You didn't hate him. You hated the disease. 
you know, you, you, <laughs> you, you had compassion and sadness, although he couldn't be in your life and affect your life anymore. You, you know, you wouldn't allow that, but you had a compassion for him and a, and a desire for him to find what you had found. And that tortured you. It did. And I felt like, um, that it, that we were on the same path together. Almost survivor's guilt. Yeah, it totally you was. Think? It totally was, Christine. Like, why, why did I get it and he didn't? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that makes me sad. It makes me sad for him. It makes me sad for our daughter, for his other children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I can't say that I didn't always, you know, I didn't always feel like I had compassion for him. Sometimes I really no, felt like I hated him. Well, and you're human. Yeah. And, um, and that, that was the, but that I had to accept that too about myself, you know, like I saw an actor on the, um, Facebook reel about some, to hugging the cactus is what mm-hmm. he said. I love that expression, mm-hmm. and I've I've been thinking about that. It's like I'm gonna have to embrace all of these things about myself that I don't like, you know, so I can make peace with it. And you know, God's gonna use or remove whatever He wants in me as long as I stay close to His will, connected. And right, right. And so, um, I I did. I mean, I. I thought awful thoughts and then and then one day one day probably a couple months before he passed away I got humbled I don't know what it was exactly but I got on my knees and I said God forgive me forgive me for these thoughts forgive me for that and I really want him to be happy and then of course he died you know a couple of months later and I'm I think if I had had those thoughts while you know, at the same time that he died, I don't know. I mean, I'd probably feel guilty about mm-hmm. all that. I'd feel awful about myself. Right. But, um, you know, I was able to bring, take my daughter to the hospital and she said goodbye to him. We spent two days there. Mm. And that night after she left, I mean, there was nobody there, Christine, nobody. His kids had already visited him. He's not in contact with his sisters, his mothers in the nursing home with dementia. I mean, there was nobody there. Wow. We left and he died five hours later. And, um, I know that, um, I was just, I was so grateful that I could be present and do that for her. Right. To think of her, you know, I wasn't drunk. Well, because you look at it, and the disease, yeah. the disease, regardless if you you quit three years before she's born, and she still is affected by the damn disease. Of course, you she know, is. and 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 I I was front row seat watching you fight for her. You know, <laughs> he, it, you know, when he would pick her up intoxicated and or yeah. drive her, you know, and you were that watching that battle all while you're, you know, trying to stay sober and and work a program. I mean, yeah, that was. Um, that was really hard. I, I, I leaned a lot on my people, mm-hmm. you and my sponsor mm-hmm. and, you know, all of my a f- mm-hmm. all of your friends, friends. Mm-hmm. Um, were just such a big part of that. And it had to be. And I do remember, um, I remember driving one day um, to some function, I don't remember what it was, and talking to. Um, 
my lady and she said to me, uh, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've got all these, you know, this is what's going on. This was, you know, da, 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 da. she's like, well, what does God say about that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm calling you. Yeah, right. Like, what does he say? Tell me. <laughs> Did he tell you? <laughs> right. I need you to call yeah. it or you yeah. ask him, call me if back you, and tell me what yeah. he said. <laughs> there again, it's like making somebody else responsible. Oh. And, um, and she said, okay, let me just tell you something, Jennifer. <laughs> which I knew I was in trouble then. Mm-hmm. She said, if you don't have the kind of God where you sit in his lap and call him dad mm-hmm. and let him love on you and tell you you are okay, that he's got this, then I don't know what. I don't know what. I can't help you. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So she, like, she put it to me that I was going to have to accept responsibility for the relationship I had with him. I remember her saying to me, if your problems are that are that big, it sounds to me like you need to get a bigger God. Whoa. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not afraid to share the hard things with her, mm-hmm. the things that I want to keep secret. And, and I mean, we're all like that. Mm-hmm. We all have secrets to tell. I'm Absolutely. just telling you. And as long as you're holding on to him, you're going to stay sick. Yep. And you think you're not hurting anybody. And I'm going to tell you, you really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not right away, but it's the lie. We believe the it's lie. cancer. I, I've got this. I've got it under control. Um, so pretty much if I don't want to tell her, I tell her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. my rule. Yep. If I don't want to tell her, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Because it's the, it's the truth shall make you free, mm-hmm. you know. And um, that, that's what it's all based on is truth. You know, like I don't, I don't, I want to get it out now. I just want to get it all right. out. I don't want to hang on to any of it, Mm-mm. you know. So, and I, and the other word that I, that I have right now is grow. Um, I want to keep growing. If I'm the same that I was when I first got into the deal, I'm, I'm just a dry drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, my God has had to get bigger. So a dry, okay. So, so again, let's assume that nobody listening knows what a dry drunk is. Define that. What is that? Well, so to me, a dry drunk is you still have all the isms. You're still trying to control. You're trying to manipulate, rationalize, justify all of those things. You know, like I said before, the unmanageability part was the hard part for me to get Mm because I still had everything, right? That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's not about, you know, I remember going to a meeting and there were, it was a mostly men's meeting. There was like one or two other ladies in there Mm -hmm. and everybody in there had a DWI. And I was like, you know what? This isn't DWI's anonymous. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this is about alcohol and alcoholism. And the the ism part is really the spiritual malady, the sickness, you know, that I don't I don't believe in anything except myself. And I, I let myself down. You know, I have to believe that a power greater than myself will take away the obsession. You know, I have to, I have to have a power, a, a, a belief in something rooted other than myself. So you came to learn that alcohol was not your problem. Right. Which is, it's just, it, it, it it's not about, it goes completely alcohol. against what, what it appears to be. It's like, that, you know, when you, when you realize once you're in recovery and you realize that you're just, I mean, it's so profound, that understanding. It's the spiritual sickness. 
because if I, I, I can change what I drink. I can only drink on the weekends. I'll just drink after five yeah. or I'll just, you know, when, when you were strategizing and, and reasoning with alcohol, mm, yeah. you might have a problem. Yeah. And so it was always, it was the lie, you know, it was a lie that I could drink like other people and I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prove it over and over and I, and I would fail over Until and over. Until it no longer worked. Right. And so, uh, that part in me, um, that, um, that I was lacking was the spiritual component. You know, it wasn't about being good. It was never about being good, you know, or straightening up or acting right or pulling yourself up or being moral, you know, or even going to church. It was never about that. It was, it's always about developing, uh, or having a relationship with, um, that power mm-hmm. that and I it was lacked, about being honest that I lacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, I started when it going back sub- subsequent steps that I would take, you know, different, different times in my sobriety, you know, I never even realized the extent of the lies about my drinking until I would go back and rework those steps. And I was mm. like, Oh my gosh, I really did a number on myself. And I and I, everybody around I me tried to. Well, mm-hmm. I really didn't convince anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we thought we did. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Bullshit. They know. Even my dad was the one who was saying, you know, they you know. you got this. Just try to con- just drink one. Just yeah. drink. You know. And then he him finally realizing mm-hmm. that that was never going to be the case with me. And so, um, yeah. I mean, this so. I'm, what I know is I'm, I am spiritually sick and I, it requires, you know, a, a huge God mm-hmm. that can solve that. So tell me, first of all, I'm so glad you're sober. Me too. And I'm so glad that I know you. Me too. We, um, Jennifer and I office in the same building and we are right next door to each other and it's nothing for us to pop in and go, I'm thinking about this. Is that crazy? <laughs> And you go like, yep, you're batshit crazy. Go back to work. So um, tell me, how do you start your, how do you start every single day? Um, well, I read the, uh, the big, big mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, uh, I pray and I meditate. And I've even asked um, my family to join me in that. Mm. So we'll set a little timer for mm-hmm. five minutes. And my daughter even asks me. To set the timer, can, mom, can we meditate? I'm like, yes, mm. absolutely. So um, it's really, you know, I've had periods where I've meditated twice a day, and it's really effective. I'm not doing that right now, but I, I will stop and ask God into my day, all throughout the day. Oh, sure. And I'll, you know, I, I may do that with. I may get on my knees in my office and say, I can't, I give up. I mean, I write on a piece of paper, I give up, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, this may sound crazy to people, but I remember um, early on when I was a single mom and I couldn't do it all. I, you know, I was working full time. I had my daughter. She was a handful. And um, I was like, I uh, cannot get her potty trained. She's three and I can't get her potty trained. And (laughs) I remember calling uh, my lady and she would say, well, why don't you surrender that? And I was like, what? Like God's going to potty train her? And she was like, why don't you ask him? And so I did. And he did the next day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
uh, literally the next day she's like mommy i i did it in the potty i was like what wow you know but like even down to like little things and Mm -hmm. i know some people are gonna debate about that but i'm just telling you right now like i i i try to give everything over like surrender 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 isn't it wonderful to be powerless yes isn't it beautiful to be powerless the only thing that i ever have control over is my response my action Mm -hmm. what i do you know what i eat what i you know what i wear those are all the things that you know, I can control and not even then. I mean, sometimes right. our bodies do, you know, I mean, hello, we're at that stage in our life where it's like, uh, yeah, that was not the part of the plan. Back to the Oreos. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's just kind of a part of life, but I, I try to, you know, just maintain an attitude of gratitude and also, um, I help, I try to help other people as much as I can, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's just by sharing my experience. You know, I'm I am not a counselor. I'm not a medical doctor, but I try to share my experience. Um, and the times that I have sponsees um, and watching them go through mm. life changing steps mm-hmm. is I, I, it's, it's like gold. it's like I'm sitting on, uh, you know, the front row. Uh, of a basketball game and mm-hmm. eating popcorn just mm-hmm. watching like oh my gosh what's mm-hmm. he gonna do next with her you know it's spiritual, just, but it's spiritual food man it's yeah, yeah. And, and the beautiful thing is is we get to yeah do this for the rest of our lives I know you know you, you don't go get into a recovery program and graduate oh. you know thank thank god thank god I I get to yeah. um you know have people like you in my life that yeah. Um, I've given authority to call me on my shit, you yeah. know, to, to go listen, you know, which Rick could, for instance, never look at me and go, maybe you're being a little selfish here. I'd claw his eyeballs out. <laughs> yeah, I just would. God love him. But, 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 you yeah. know, it just, this is, it's a beautiful life. It is. It's just a beautiful life. It is. And, um, and I never knew that it could be this good mm. ever. Like I had no idea that girl that came in 36 years old. You know, she had no idea what it was going to be like. And that's, that's the beautiful part of sobriety. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, I always want to improve. I always want to grow. I always want to, um, I'm not, I'm not going to be perfect and I don't plan to, you know, that's not part of the mm-hmm. plan I know, but, um, uh, I, I want more and more and more of an awareness of the blessings that are in front of me and the peace that comes with knowing God mm. and that he's got it. Um, you know, and then watching other people in my life and being there for them when they're having a hard time or, or when they're, you know, just celebrating with them. Right. You know, being I present. mean, my, my amends to my dad, I remember I said to him, um, I'm sorry I made you worry about me. Mm. I'm sorry that I caused you so much worry. You know, and we had a lot of fights about all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a head case and when am I going to get my stuff together? And mm-hmm. everybody's waiting for you to be happy. You know, he mm. said those words to me. And I understand that now. Um, what would you say? What would you say to that person that's um, that's ready to end it all? That just thinks oh that there's God. there's absolutely no hope. You what know, would you tell them to do? What's what do they need to do? That reach out for help. Just reach out for help who you know like call christine 
They're, they're, well, <laughs> Reach out on the, you know, I see that on uh, social media. We're people, everywhere. People, yeah, I mean, people are reaching out and I love it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful because we, we, I felt so alone for so long, so long, and I didn't have to, You're you know, and I found out that I wasn't unique, that, it, you know, that this, this really can work, but mm-hmm. I have to concede first, you know, that I need help. That I can't that I can't do it on my own, right? And I think that's what I wish that my second husband had done. You yeah. know, um, some of us don't survive. I know, and uh, and I and I, my heart hurts badly for that. Um, but yeah, reach out for help. Uh, you don't have to know all the answers. Mm-mm. You don't even have to be good. You don't even have to know any of the answers. No. no. Luckily for you, there's other people that that have trudged that road that right. can show you know have been down in that deep pit that can show you how to get out. Absolutely. You so. don't have to wait until you get a DWI. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait until you know you lose everything. Mm-hmm. You can you can stop now. You know, um, another friend in our program says our bottom uh, is our bottom. And it's whenever we quit digging. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad that I didn't have to go down as far as some people. But I'm going to say this, Christine, and you and I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Everybody's at that who is at that jumping off point is we're all experienced. We've all experienced the same bottom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what our outside looks like. Right. It only matters where we are on the inside mm-hmm. that counts. And so if you're if you still have everything but you are about ready to end it all, mm-hmm. that is your bottom. Right. You don't have to go any further than that. And you don't have to prove it to anybody. Reach out. Yeah. Reach out. So. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Right. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. <laughs>